been with us, we've been looking at various principles of parenting, seeking to apply those to our lives. And tonight we will continue by looking at the principle of identity. So before we do that, let me pray for us. Gracious and wonderful Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you are our Father. And we ask that as we look towards our relationship with you, that that would be the basis for everything that we do and that it would outflow into every other relationship we have. We thank you for our identity in Christ, how we are made to be in union with him. And that is an unbreakable union. And we thank you, Lord, for the various benefits that come from that. And I ask that as we seek to apply our identity in you, Lord, tonight, that you would bless us and bless our families. And we pray this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. So our principle for this evening is if you are not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, you will look for your identity in your children. If you're not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, then you will look for your identity in your children. Think about this as we begin. What are some things that we find our identity in? Maybe it is parenthood. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Hobbies. Maybe it's your family background. These are all great things in themselves, but we can often have an identity crisis. Because at our core, what we're made to be is always going to be at odds with our desires, with our circumstances, with our stages of life. And this is especially true in parenting. We can have a huge identity crisis. So real quick, before we jump in here, what are some unhealthy ways that we can find our identity in being parents or finding our identity in our children? Just a few that I thought of and put down here. Living vicariously through education or living vicariously through sports. A constantly busy schedule, rigorous academic expectations. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a little bit, but... This is the current climate in the family landscape. It's very success-driven, full of unrelenting rules. It's very performance-based, lots of obligations, always one thing to the next. And all these things exist for one reason, because we can care too much about the present and future success of our children. Don't get me wrong, success isn't a bad thing, but it it can become a bad thing if we find our identity in the success of our children or success for our children. In my youth ministry experience, I've seen so many students burn out by their parents' desires for success. And I think this is a good reminder and a warning to us of the expectations and and things that we place on our children. Let us be careful of that. So let's begin by answering this question. What are we looking for? What are we looking for? Well, we are created to be rational. We're created to think and interpret. And none of our thoughts or words or actions exist in a vacuum. You know, they're all connected to who we think we are, who we think God is, what we think life is all about, what are things that we see as important, where do we go to find help, and what do we look to in order to give us peace and rest. Have you ever experienced the same event differently than someone else? The same exact event. Have you ever experienced it vastly different than the next person? An example of this 
from my life is I went to a concert when I was in college. I went to see uh, two uh, bands that I was fond of at the time, the Counting Crows and the Goo Goo Dolls. And I was really excited about it, and I went, and unfortunately, both of those bands were high as kites. <laughs> they uh, had partaken too much of certain drugs, and I could tell in the way that they played their instruments, in the way that they sang. In fact, I was very frustrated because I was really looking forward to hearing some good music, and I heard a bunch of people who were strung out uh, trying to play the music that I was looking forward to hearing. However, if you would have asked the other people in the audience who were also high as kites, uh, they probably enjoyed it. They probably thought it was the best concert ever. <laughs> but for me, it was a waste of money. In fact, I, I think I considered asking for my money back, but in the end, I did not. Uh, but we, we can often live in a space of... Uh, we, we don't often live in a space of facts, but rather experience. And that applies to going to a concert, but it also applies to us as parents. We don't often live in a space of facts, but rather we, we base things on feelings, emotions, experience. For me, my experience at that concert was poor. For someone else, it was probably great. And in our parenting belief system, in our worldview, um, you know, that this is, this comes out for us. You know, our, our parenting uh, system is always going to be exposed by how our life as a family plays out. And just a couple examples that Paul David Tripp lays out in this chapter that we're basing this seminar on, uh, and then one that I wrote myself. So we're going to go through three of these. Just think about these specific things and think about how our identity can play into these things. So a, a sentence like, I can't believe that you would do this to me. So think about how that example, how can that be an example of an identity problem? Or how might this show a problem in one's parenting system or parenting worldview? If you think about that statement, we aren't responding to facts, typically. We're responding to the emotions of our interpretation. This often uh, shows some sort of personal attack that you feel upon yourself as an individual. It places high priority on you as the parent. And we can be prone to desiring our children to please us and finding identity in that if we're not careful. So going uh, to the question, who am I in this situation? We are putting the emphasis on ourselves. Who am I? I am to be obeyed at all costs. That's not finding our identity in Christ. Second example is just looking at this whole idea of discipline. And we can discipline, and then we can discipline and teach at the same time. So it, when we look at those two things, how might this be an example of an identity problem? The fact that you may discipline, but you also may discipline and try to teach while disciplining. How might this show a problem in our worldview if we choose uh, the first over the second? Well, here... Our worldview system might be shaped by a standard of rules. And if those rules aren't met, then it is, again, is some sort of personal attack against you as a parent, as an individual. And it places high priority on rules and structure. 
which in themselves are good, but they must be used correctly. And here we can be prone to finding our identity in a structured household with obedient children who may never understand why following the rules in the first place is a good thing. We have to remember that Christ kept the law perfectly on theirs and our behalf because because God knew that no one could. The identity crisis that we have needs to be reminded of that very fact. That yes, it is good to have order in our houses, but if we have order without, without a reason to have order, then we're finding our identity in something else. And we need to look towards Christ and teach our children as we discipline. Last example, if you would only just try harder. How might this be an example of an identity problem? Or how might this show a problem with our parenting worldview or, or system? Well, here our identity can be tied up in performance. And it places a high priority on performance. And one thing that can happen here in this worldview is a tendency for our children to burn out because of expectations and constant busyness. And if we find ourselves saying something like that, and yes, there are times when our children need to be told that they need to try harder. <laughs> I mean, I think all of us can can think of plenty of examples in our children's lives uh, and even seeing other uh, parents and their children where a little bit more effort would be a good thing. But if this is a, a constant mantra of ours, Maybe we need to think about our priorities. Maybe we need to think about how our identity in performance affects the way that we parent. So what is it that we're looking for as parents? Well, to answer that, uh, it comes up very clearly by asking the questions, Who am I? Where is my meaning and purpose in life to be found? And the way that we answer those questions can and will determine how we speak to and act towards our children. So we need to think about our own identity before we seek to impress an identity upon our children. So what are we looking for? And let's spend some time asking this question. How do we look in the right places? Well, Tripp offers uh, this statement. He, He says we need to look vertically for our identity. Looking above for who we are and what our purpose is. Remember, our first session we spoke about calling. Our greatest calling is to be what? A child of God. And everything else is an outflow of that. And there's, and it's, it, it's never a basis for our main identity, but rather uh, the, the whole purpose of it is our calling. The things that happen from our calling are not our identity. Our calling is our identity. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we read this passage, what might be some signs that in our parenting, that it is driven by what we need and want from our children rather than what Paul is suggesting here? Tripp offers a couple suggestive signs uh, that we need to seek to be aware of here. And I want to work through a couple of these because I think it's so important for us to think about that very question. What are some signs that that we can see in our lives from the way that we parent that show that we are seeking something from our children rather than 
what we want God to seek after for our children. So let's work through just a couple of these. Uh, the first one being too much success. Matthew 16:26 says, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul?" What does Jesus tell us here about where success is on his priority list? We've already spoken about the dangers of success in a previous seminar, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. But if we find ourselves needing our children to succeed, or if our children live under a burden of having to constantly succeed, then we have taken our identity off of Jesus. And our children will never see that Christ is far less concerned with their success and far more concerned about them and their hearts. And in that, we can become... Uh, if, if we take our mind off of that, the fact that Jesus wants to care for their hearts, then, then we can be so focused on performance rather than the spiritual health of our children. So we need to be mindful of that. Second one is too much concern about reputation. Matthew seven seventeen through 18. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So, reading what Jesus says here, what does he tell us about our actions and how they are to be seen by others? Well, our actions tell others about ourselves. Having a good reputation is not a bad thing. We want to be known for doing good works, for being uh, upstanding We want people to think highly of us, not because of that feeling that we get when someone thinks highly of us, but rather because we want to be known to be of a good standard, of of a good upbringing. We want people to uh, see our actions and know that it comes from our heart. But the problem is, oftentimes that idea of reputation, of having a good reputation, and we are called to have a good reputation in the world, we can often take that and make it into something else. Placing our whole being and having a good reputation is a bad thing. In one of the churches I've served at, uh, there was kind of an unspoken mantra with some of the parents that often knew that their children were out drinking on the weekends. They were sleeping around and doing things they knew they shouldn't do, but Instead of trying to confront those things in their children's lives, there was this understanding that they had between them and their children that is, just please don't get caught, right? Just please don't, don't bring shame upon the family's name, right? See, we can run the risk of being far too concerned with how others view us as parents based on our children's actions. Our children aren't trophies, they're people. Instead of seeking to have them and their actions determine our success, we need to rely on the reputation of Jesus. Fruit, you know, think about how many of you have bitten to a, an apple that looked absolutely delicious and it was brown and gross inside. We can fake our reputation. We can fake fruit all we want. We don't want our children just to bear fruit for fruit's sake. We want, them to, uh, we want that fruit to be an outworking of their hearts. Not for the sake of not embarrassing the family or simply just uh, looking the part of a good family, but rather because of what Christ is doing in them and doing through us. Thirdly, 
Too much desire for control. Philippians 2, 3-4 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what does Paul tell us about what our motives in others should be? We're to keep watch on how we think that we fit into another person's life. If we have control issues, we're rarely going to see others as far more important than ourselves. We're always going to see this need to fix or change others. And often this comes out through controlling them. Doing this takes the identity off of Jesus and onto the self. And we need to be mindful of this. It's good to have parameters. It's good to have margins. It's good to have rules in place for our children. But if we use those things to control them in unhealthy ways, then that is where the identity crisis comes in. Too much control can stifle a child's growth and development, especially their spiritual growth. We can be overpowering and over-domineering with control. And we need to be mindful. Two more here. Too much uh, emphasis on doing rather than being. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what would the difference between be between doing and being in response to what Paul is saying here? Well, he says there's something to the being, right? The doing is good, but the being is very important as well. We, all, we have all sorts of motives for doing, both good and bad. You know, business for business sake is never a good thing for us as parents or for our children. We all need to do things. And our children need to have things to do. You know, it often keeps them out of trouble sometimes. But we also need to teach them to be. What that means is to teach them that their identity is not in what they do, but rather who they are. And they're made in the image of God. And that's their value. Everything else should be an outworking of that fact. Tim Keller, in his book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, says this. You see, the verdict is in, and now I perform on the basis of that verdict. Because God loves me and he accepts me, I do not have to do the things that I do just to build up my resume. I do not have to do things to make me look good. I can do things for the joy of doing them. I can help people to help people. Not so I can feel better about myself. Not so I can fill up the emptiness. There is something to doing. But Paul here wants us to see and to teach our children that our children need to be who they were made to be. So whether they eat or drink or whatever they do, they do it for this purpose. They do it for the glory of God. That's their identity. And that's what Paul is calling us to here. Lastly, too much temptation to make it personal. We've kind of touched on this a little bit. First Peter chapter 1, 3-4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we have this need for our children to be perfect and successful. How might this passage show us that there's a much better need? Specifically for the purposes of not taking things personal when our children don't do exactly what we want them to do. 
So we make our parenting personal when we have responses like, how could you do this to me? Rather than, this is a violation of what God has made you to be. We want you to grow in that. Those are vastly different responses. And we need to be aware of how we can make things personal that aren't meant to be made personal. Ask yourself this question. Is what they did really a personal attack on me as a parent? Or is it simply the result of laziness and self-centeredness of sin that we all carry around? That we did when we were teenagers? Sometimes our children don't do what we ask because they simply forget. Or they may not have understood the expectations. We need to think less about how our children's failings and faults are some sort of personal attack on us, but rather uh, use those as an opportunity to teach and grow through grace and love. Because if we are always taking things personal, then we are going to be very frustrated all the time as parents. So our identity, thinking about God's presence with us and provision for us, it's so rich, it's full and complete. And in finding our identity in Christ, it's going to help us remember that we come to our parenting with everything that we need. Everything we need to be. Everything He's called us to be. And to do everything that He's called us to do. To seek anything more than that is to miss the mark. What we need to ask ourselves is, is Jesus satisfying my heart? If it's not then how is that affecting my parenting? What kind of identity crisis am I having if I cannot say that Jesus is satisfying my heart? How can I want uh, Jesus to satisfy my children's heart when Jesus isn't even satisfying my own heart? So we're going to spend some time unpacking that and discussing that a little bit, uh, just looking at our identity in Christ and how that should affect the way that we do and and say, and and everything that comes in our parenting. But before we do that, let me pray for us before our discussion. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have called us. We thank you that you have given us new life through your Holy Spirit. I do pray that as we spend time thinking about our identity problems, Lord, that you would equip us and teach us and mold us to be more like Christ so that we can take that and impress it upon our children's hearts. I pray this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen.